Discord has like auto noise canceling. It totally does. Uh, and, it, and it figures Paul's singing yeah, his noise. My singing noise. noise. Yeah. Yeah. I feel attacked. Well, finally, finally, an update that makes sense. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, shoot. Oh. Welcome back, everybody. This is Q-Tips, and we are the Video Store Junkies, and we are back to recommend some movies for you to stream over the weekend. And we're just going to jump right in, like always, because we're very efficient, and we're going to go to Bill. Hey, everyone. So, my theme for this week is Eugene Laurie makes the same damn movie three times. <laughs> so, Lu Eugene Laurie was a, a production designer, French production designer. And uh, actually, I think he was Russian, but he escaped from Russian while the getting was good and went to France. And he worked on things like La Grande Illusion, Renoir's La Grande Illusion, which is a great movie. It's one of those movies that they will make you watch in a film studies class. But unlike most of them, it's actually genuinely amazingly good. He worked for Sam Fuller, Charlie Chaplin, just all kinds of things. And he finally got his chance to direct. And I don't know what he was expecting, but what he got was my first movie, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms which is not really known as a Eugene Laurie movie because it has special effects by Ray Harryhausen. And if Ray Harryhausen does your special effects, it's a Ray Harryhausen movie. It doesn't matter if Kubrick directed it. It's a Ray Harryhausen movie. It's a great movie and very influential. It's, uh, you know, a creature, atomic uh, uh, bombs in the Arctic cause a frozen dinosaur to thaw himself out. He escapes, he goes in the water, and he shows up in New York, stomps through the town, eating cops, crushing cars, in a really nice touch that resonates today. It turns out that his blood is uh, poisonous. Uh, I think maybe it's supposed to be radioactive or maybe it's a virus, whatever. You should never unthaw things that are that old. It's based, and I mean loosely, loosely, on a Ray Bradbury story about a dinosaur that comes out and destroys a uh, lighthouse. There's that scene in the movie, and that is virtually the only thing. But Ray Bradbury, uh, Ray Bradbury was really, you know, Big stuff at the time, still big stuff for me. And so they want his name on it. Uh, great special effects. It's where Harryhausen perfected his dynorama technique of using mats to sandwich the creature in there instead of the old techniques of using matte paintings. Much cheaper, much more effective, actually. And it's fantastic. It's the inspiration for Godzilla. And you can't get you can't go wrong there. Eugene Laurie did a great job. It's moody, black and white, very well done. But it was just the start of things. And I will talk about the next one as I throw this to Renee. Holy moly, that's very intriguing. I'm excited to hear the rest of that. Uh, so I'm going to recommend something. I'm cheating because once again, I'm going to recommend something that was recommended uh, last year. But oh my gosh, it was back in February and it feels i can't believe it was february of last year because it just feels so much sooner because this movie made such an impact and that movie is amsterdam Yay! <laughs> and so there's there's a serial killer monster thing in the the river and it's killing people and it's bananas and then there's hube stuffel and Hugh Stoppel is trying to find out, you know, he's trying to solve the case. But it's sort of like Inspector Gadget because he's got a young daughter <laughs> and she's like almost smarter than he is. Um, it's a lot of fun and it's crazy and entertaining and there's a lot of really funny bits in it. But I liked it a lot. And that movie is called Amsterdam. It's available on Shudder, Tubi, AMC Plus, 
DirecTV, and Night Flight. And I kept that short and sweet, but what are you going to do? Um, speaking of short and sweet, er, der, 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 let's pass <laughs> this to Zach. <laughs> wow. Uh, I think that's short. The- I was gonna say you haven't met Zach. This have is you, the Renee? this is the He's first time in my life. Sweet. This, yeah, this this is the first time in my life I've been referred to as either short or sweet, <laughs> much less both of those together. Um, but it was I, like the first time I had an opportunity for a segue, so I had to use it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate it, and I will try to keep my first recommendation both short and sweet. And I guess I kind of have a, uh, a theme this week, uh, which I don't always do, but mine is kind of incidental, and that is controversial horror and my first pick is it's one of those things i'm not going to give it like a full-throated uh recommendation it's one of those Mm -hmm. things that i watched and i really enjoyed uh but i thought it was kind of interesting that if you go and look on like uh, imdb right now you would think it's the worst thing ever because i can't tell if people legitimately don't like it or if they're just review bombing it sometimes it's kind of hard to tell but uh, maybe you should go watch, check out check it out and see for yourself. The show I am referring to is a brand new show on Netflix called Resident Evil. And you might be saying to yourself, "Wait, Resident Evil? Even if you're not a big Resident Evil fan, you've probably heard of it. It's you know, it's a it's a video game. There were like 20 movies, 20 horrible movies m- m- with Mila Jovovich. There's a, a newer movie which is uh, not necessarily great, but uh, it's probably better than the Mila Jovovich movies. But no, it's it's not related to any of those. This is kind of its own thing. This is a new tv show which is kind of based on the uh video games or kind of a sequel to the video games but i don't know it's 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 very let's just say it's kind of inspired by the video games and i think that's one of the reasons that people are kind of giving it bad reviews but i think there are also some other reasons that people are giving it bad reviews so i would go check it out let's let's just say if you're looking for a fun kind of uh kind of fun light action horror show you could do a lot worse than this one and uh you know regardless of anything else it's got lance reddick in it okay it's got lance reddick and if you need any other reason to at least check out an episode or two i don't know what's wrong with you but uh let's just say i don't i don't the, the plot probably doesn't matter a whole lot but it's kind of interesting in the sense that it cuts between uh we learn very early on that there's been some sort of apocalyptic event and it's cutting between these characters kind of right before that happens and then 14 years later and I don't know. I, I found it pretty effective. Like I said, it's not like it's not like award-winning TV, but I thought it was fun. It kept me entertained. It kept me, you know, watching for eight episodes, which is how long this series is. So once again, that is Resident Evil. It's on Netflix. I think there's some other Resident Evil stuff on Netflix, but it's the live-action eight-episode TV show with Lance Reddick. It's probably in like the new section right now. So yeah, check it out and uh, see for yourself. Maybe you'll maybe you'll think it's the worst thing ever, like apparently some people do, or maybe you'll have fun like I did. And anyways, speaking of very controversial things, uh, let's go to Paul for his first pick. Why, thank you, Zach. Um, my first pick, well, let me just take you back, take you back in time to uh, late 70s. I'm about, probably about 12 years old, watching TV, flipping through, you know, probably a Sunday afternoon looking for movies. And I catch like the last 45 minutes or so of this one movie, I'm like, this is kind of weird. It's got Bud Cord in it, and uh, and then it's got Sally Kellerman. Now I'm 12. I don't know who the hell these people are at the time, but still. Um, and is she like his his fairy godmother or like an angel? I don't know. And then there's Shelley Duvall, and, and it's got all these people in it. And, and then it just it is like the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on with it. Uh, there's there's uh, Rene Abergenois just pops in every once in a while as a lecturer on birds. I'm like, what the hell is this? 
and then it ends with like the most bizarre curtain call I've seen in a film aside from the Patty McCormick version of of uh, Bad Seed. Just it's really bizarre. I'm like, what is this? It's not. It's not until probably six, five or six years later, I actually get to watch the full movie, and it's just as weird. It's Brewster McCloud from 1970 oh, by yeah. Ro- by Robert Altman. Bud Court is a young man living in the basement of the Astrodome, Houston Astrodome, building something. Um, Sally Kellerman, like I said, is sort of like his fairy godmother, kinda. But there's nothing mystical necessarily that you see. But she's she's protecting him, keeping an eye out for him. She is running interference for him. Um, and uh, also, by the way, people who seem to get in his way or interfere are found dead strangled to death and covered in bird shit um and so the cops call in lieutenant shaft played by michael murphy not not the kind of person you picture he's 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 definitely not you would think of as a shaft but he's lieutenant shaft you've got william winden you've got stacy keach in like really bizarre old age makeup john shook and margaret hamilton the wicked witch of her west of herself Uh, and it is it's a it's a comedy it's really bizarre it's really fun. Uh, Robert Altman hated the script, threw it out. They improvised a lot of it. They basically sucked the story, but did their own shit with it. It's really funny. It's playing on HBO Max. Um, and, again, it is the ending is so, just, like, so out there. And, and this amazing curtain call that I always love when a film does a curtain call. Oh, and it's Shelley Duvall's film debut, by the way, too. Um, and like I said, a lot of these people are people that ended up sort of in Robert Altman's stable anyway. But uh, yeah, Brewster McCloud, 1970, HBO Max, highly recommend it. And and speaking of uh, Robert Altman's stable of people, I pass this back to Bill Mulligan. There you go. Uh, Brewster McCloud, Ro- Robert Altman and Bud Court. I mean, you, you know what you're going to get, or you should. It's <laughs> such a it's such a 1970s movie. And, uh, oh yeah, yeah, very much of its time. So that was good. By the way, I meant to say the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms is on everything, but you got to pay for it. But it's worth it. Two <laughs> two ninety nine. Come on, come on. You know you want to. So you back to Eugene Laurie. He makes he finally, you know, after being in all these great movies, doing set design and art direction, gets to direct a movie. It makes a fortune, and and in gratitude, they let him do something a little more serious. Just kidding. They said, do it again, only we're going to give you half as much money. Uh, another dinosaur on the loose, this time in, in uh, London. Like, that's going to make it cheaper. And um, also, we can't afford Ray Harryhausen, so we're going to throw a few shekels to uh, Willis O'Brien, who was the genius who basically invented stop-motion animation and did King Kong, was Harryhausen's mentor, but had fallen on hard times. And this was one of the few projects that he was given. And he and another uh, special effects technician, Pete Peterson, who is another... Stop motion, by the way, is taking these little articulated dolls and moving them one frame at a time and taking a picture 24 times. you got one second. It's tedious. It's hard to do. Um, Pete Peterson suffered from multiple sclerosis to the point where he couldn't stand up anymore, but he made some of the most amazing animation. They had no budget. So they got creative, and the giant behemoth. I know what you're thinking. What other kind of behemoth is there? The you know just shows you how stupid they think Americans are. It was called, be- it was called behemoth, the sea monster, everywhere else in the world. 
but for America, they, they you know, eh, that's too too much up for the marquee. We'll call it the behemoth, but they don't know what behemoths are, so we're going to say the giant behemoth, just so they don't <laughs> think it's like a small behemoth. Um, it's it's great. It's in this beautiful, gorgeous, sharp black and white. They animate the camera because they, they weren't able to build the giant sets that they normally would have if they had a budget. They decide to almost make the camera a character and animating the character, which is adding one more level. It's something you don't often see in animation. Even Harryhausen doesn't use moving camera very much because it's tricky. But this is a gorgeous film. The monster is some kind of Brontosaurus type thing. Um, it's radioactive. And the scary part, every now and then as it's moving along, suddenly optical effects start coming off it and the people are burned to a crisp by this radiation, uh, which they achieve by freezing the frame and like taking that frame and painting it. So it turns into a painting of burned people. It should not work. And yet it horrified me as a child. It was so, this is the, the scariest giant monster movie ever made. Really good. To, now it, it has one glaring flaw, which is there's a scene in the middle of the movie where the monster comes out of the water and attacks a boat. And for this one, they did not use uh, Willis O'Brien. They hired some people who swore that they could build a model that would work. They basically told him the same lie that the makers of King Kong in 76 said, we can build a robot and it'll do everything. And it does nothing. And they, they just didn't know how to film it. So as you're watching this, you actually see the contraption come out of the water and you see the gears. You see all the metal pieces <laughs> that are holding it together. It's like, guys nobody noticed it's like when you see a microphone show up in the scene it's like how did this get through but it's it's really really good it's it's the least of the three movies that i'm talking about but it's also my favorite i don't know they're hard to explain so the giant behemoth also available everywhere but you got to pay for it also worth it this is one of those ones though where say if you get the um if you get the dvd don't listen to the commentary because they hired some people who are really good, know, know their stuff and everything, and they spend the whole time trashing this movie. It's like, why why would you do that? Why why would you even take the job if you don't like the movie? I don't know. Let, throw it to someone who loves it. I mean, nobody wants to, nobody buys a DVD and listens to the commentary track and basically is told what a schmuck they were for buying this movie. <laughs> well, just my complaint. Anyway, I do, I do that's just, it. Sorry, yeah. I want to chime in real quick. The Giant Behemoth, uh, as with many of Bill's recommendations, is actually available on YouTube in its entirety for free. So you can check it out. <laughs> yes, there. yes. Many, many of the things I recommend are not worth copywriting or trademarking. So uh, <laughs> you, you pretty much can find them on, you know, just search around for a good copy. And uh, yeah, so lots of fun. And you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when you get to that bad scene. Thanks for that, because yeah. Uh, and I will throw this again to Renee. Man, oh man, I'm excited. Watching a lot of movies on YouTube this weekend, apparently. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you ever think about like how hard it is for vampires nowadays? Because you know, vampires they like virgins, right? So, sure. yeah, it's, I mean, my God, how do they? How do they even? I don't know what they're doing these days, but it's got to be really difficult. Yeah. And uh, somebody who happened to be stuck in a similar situation, they go to a comic like, book convention. <laughs> oh. I'll let them know to go to. Hey, everyone congregates this weekend, by the way. Oh, um, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> just kidding. Sorry. Ah. Um, oh. <laughs> I'll just edit that out. It'll be fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even though you all will know, you can't prove it. Um, so, m much in a similar situation, is Lauren Hutton 
And she's just having a hell of a time. She's got to drink virgin blood before Halloween or she's just going to, you know, shrivel up and turn in, you know, to whatever kind of thing you turn into when you're a vampire that doesn't get blood. I assume you die, but still. So she's got to find a virgin before Halloween. And luckily for her, there is a young man and that would happen to be one Mr. Jim Carrey. And he has a girlfriend, but she is just not, she's not ready to take that step with him. And, you know, he, uh, he ends up getting, you know, kind of seduced by this woman. And, you know, I, you're just gonna have to kind of watch it to see what happens and all the fun and excitement they have. Uh, it's pretty fun. Uh, I haven't seen it. I should say I just watched it, but I haven't. I saw it a long time ago, and I haven't seen it recently, but it's still a good movie. And it's called Once Bitten, and it is available on Tubi and Pluto and Hoopla. Speaking of vampires that, that <laughs> might die before Halloween, I'll pass this to Zach. So the the second recommendation I have this week for uh, controversial horror films, like I said on my first one, I think that there is some element of review bombing, just some of the bad reviews online. I think that there are certain elements of the show of Resident Evil that people, uh, let's just say uh, they, they maybe take offense to and it has nothing to do with the actual show itself. H however, I'm a little confused as to just why my second recommendation seems kind of controversial. And this is one that I think that uh, it, it seems like there have uh, been some bad reviews for it like ever since it came out. And yeah, I'm not entirely sure why, but uh, the sh uh, the name of the movie that I'm recommending is Frank Darabont's The Mist, which is currently playing on Netflix. Mm. And if you don't know what this movie is about, well, it's based on a Stephen King story. And after a uh, a bit of a storm rolls through this small main town and uh, Thomas Jane goes to the store, pick up some supplies. And then a mist rolls in. And uh, let's just say there is something out there in the mist. And it's not the sort of thing that you'd want to run into, especially in a mist where you can't see anything. So Thomas Jane and a bunch of other people, this film has an incredible cast. I'm just going to uh, roll off some of the names here. We got uh, Thomas Jane. We got Lori Holden, which as much shit as I give her well, when we're talking about The Walking Dead on our other podcast, uh, she's actually pretty good in this movie. But you also got Toby Jones. You got Marsha Gay Harden. You got one of my favorite actors of all time, Andre Brower. You got William Sadler. Uh, the, the list goes on and on. Uh, so you get a lot of really, really strong actors. And this, uh, you know, it's it's good that uh, Frank Darabont's so good at casting these roles because this is, for the most part, kind of a, a one location uh, uh, film. And it's uh, it's largely about the interactions that these characters are having in this location as they try to figure out what to do. And I, I think I think I maybe kind of know why this film gets kind of a bad rap, because let's just say that the ending is a bit of a downer. I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying <laughs> that. Um, but I know that a lot of people don't like that. Uh, but I think in general, a lot of people just don't like it because Frank Darabont's kind of old school. And he often, you know, he, he opts more for uh, focusing on the characters and less on the the gore. There are a lot of special effects in this movie, but uh, he he's not all about, you know, the special effects and the gore. So anyways, once again, the name of the film is The Mist. And again, I have to, I don't know if it's on Netflix, but if it is, uh, there's a TV show, which I believe is supposedly based on the, the short story that this movie is based on. Uh, it has nothing to do with the actual story or this show or this uh, this movie. So if, if you accidentally start watching the show, you'll be horribly disappointed. Don't do that. It's a movie um, and it is playing on Netflix. And it is 
it's one of those movies i've actually i've actually grown to like it even like i liked it when it came out in 2007 i enjoyed it but i kind of rewatch it every you know four or five years and i just actually rewatched it this weekend and i think i liked it even more than any other viewing so it's kind of grown on me so check it out and uh speaking of things that are lurking in the mist and waiting to grab you i will pass it over to paul for his next pick Boo! Yay! Yeah, actually, I absolutely want to second that. The fantastic film, and uh, Stephen King has actually even said that that the changes that that Darabont made are ones he wish he had done. He wishes he he had mm-hmm. uh, had basically ended it the way that Darabont does. Um, yeah, fantastic. Um, my my next pick is um, I don't know if anyone would actually um, use that those words with it. Uh, I, I so when I was talking about. Um, Brewster McCloud, and I mentioned how Robert Altman hated the script and threw it away. The script was written by Doran William Cannon, and that's today's theme is the films of Doran William Cannon. And uh, originally, Brewster McCloud was really supposed to be originally directed by Otto Preminger, who turned it down for another script by Doran William Cannon. Why, oh. it's one of Bill's favorites. Yep. Oh, no. Skidoo from 1968. Nice playing on plex and the roku channel that's skidoo s-k-i-d-o-o oh. Oh, oh my god talk about a misfire so otto, otto preminger who was 63 <laughs> years old at the time actually apparently had done some lsd and um and that was sort of his reason seeing to take this film uh to, and in it uh you've got jackie gleason who played you know it's a real youth picture there jackie <laughs> gleason plays a uh a, a con convict who uh, basically, I don't even really feel like going into this. The, 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 oh the, man! The, oh my God, it's a mess. But you've got you've got Carol Channing, who who does like a strip tease at one point. Frankie oh. Avalon, Frank Gort. Oh, listen, this, this this trio: Frank Gorshin, Burgess Meredith, Burgess Meredith, and Cesar, Cesar Romero, hot off of Batman. John Philip Law, Peter Lawford, Mickey Rooney, Arnold Stang, yay! Richard Keel, Slim Pickens. Probably the only person there who actually would be considered like a youth person at the time would be Austin Pendleton. And Groucho Marx in sort of his final credited role as God, but that was the name of the gangster he played. You know, apparently Otto Preminger even like kind of, as they put it, browbeat him into wearing his 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 Groucho, you know, makeup mustache on it. And Groucho was pissed. Um, but Groucho, you know, apparently did some acid, too, as well. And he found it very relaxing um, in it. Yeah. <laughs> Jackie Gleason has an acid trip. Oh, my God. This movie is such a disaster. Um, the music is by the great Harry Nilsson, who apparently, interestingly enough, at this point, hadn't done acid. A few years later, he did <laughs> and wrote the wonderful children's uh, uh, musical uh, The Point when he was on acid, but not when he was on this. Um, so, yeah, Skidoo, it is. I think, Bill, I think you're the one who actually introduced me to this. Yeah. Movie. You and, you did a you did a fantastic job of selling this movie. I, yeah. I couldn't do any better. That's everything Paul said. It's got to be watched. You got to watch it. You got to yeah. watch it. But it's a wonderful disaster, and it's on a Plex show. and the Roku channel. So that's Skidoo. And speaking of God, I'm going to pass this over to uh, Bill Mulligan for his third and final pick. Yeah, Who could yeah. the director be of your? your I final don't know, pick, Bill. It was it wasn't Otto Preminger. You know, the, the funny thing is, this was a reaction to Easy Rider. They were like, "Oh my God, this this <laughs> no budget movie about hippies, uh, you know, just broke the box office." And they're like, "Youth is in. Who do we know who has his finger on the pulse of today's youth?" And Otto Preminger, <laughs> who he may have been sixty five, but he looked like he was eighty nine, 
And, oh, my God, what a disaster. And, and, and the cast, oh, it's like the love boat on acid. It's the worst, <laughs> the worst. All right, well, when we last left Eugene Levy, he had done The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Eugene made a Levy? I think the wrong... Uh, oh, Eugene Laurie. Yeah, Eugene Levy. Yeah. Oh, and, and look, I... I may be mispronouncing his name. You know, he was French, but he's also dead, so, you know, he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he'd be the first to admit that. Um, so he did He did the Beast of 20,000, uh, made a lot of money. He did uh, the Giant Behemoth, which I'm sure also made a lot of money because it was so cheap it had to. And uh, they decide to take him to the well one time again. And the last of his giant monster movies is Gorgo. And Gorgo, they said, okay, we got a whole new idea for this one. It's about a dinosaur who rampages through the cities like Christ, the same movie again. But they couldn't decide where to do it. They, they First, they were going to do Japan as sort of an homage to Godzilla, which made no sense. And then they came to their senses and thought maybe France, but then people would be cheering the dinosaur. And then they thought <laughs> Australia. And uh, I guess when they polled people, they found out people would not care. <laughs> if the dinosaur destroyed Australia, and and honestly, there are no major landmarks other than that, you know, uh, opera house. What what else could you do in Australia? And also, he'd probably get bitten by a spider and die. So they he settled could, he on could smash, he could smash the giant rock that everyone knows about. Oh yeah, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> I don't um, think that'd be too compelling though. Sorry. Yeah. So they decided to set in England because England does have a lot of landmarks you can smash: Big Ben, London Bridge. I mean, there's just a whole bunch. And but Gorgo. Now, Gorgo does not have stop motion. It's a suitmation. It's just a guy in a suit filmed under slow motion. It's a gorgeous film. It's the only one in color. The color is candy apple pretty. I mean, this is such a great kids movie. And it's got one huge twist, which is just so brilliant. No one had ever thought of it before, that Gorgo is this dinosaur, and they capture him in a net. You know, he's, he's pretty tall, you know, 60, 70 feet tall, turns heads. They take him back to London and they're going to show him like King Kong and every, you know, okay. So you figure at some point he's going to break loose and cause some mischief. Meanwhile, back where they caught him, all of a sudden his mom shows up and it turns out that his mom is like 250 feet tall. So everything, all the things that we were impressed about with Gorgo now seem like so many tears in the rain because now mom shows up and she just smashes through everything and she's made out of whatever dinosaurs are made out of that rockets and bullets don't <laughs> don't affect them and uh she gets her baby and stomps right back to the ocean not even bothering to walk through the ruins that she did to get there she makes a whole bunch of new ruins just to ah. show how pissed off she is and, and who can blame her and it's unusually spoiler alert but unusually for a movie of this kind um the monsters uh, get away with it and why shouldn't they they did nothing wrong they're minding their own beeswax <laughs> in the ocean and then a bunch of humans netted them and took them to the city and got what they deserved so after this, he basically said he didn't want to direct anymore because obviously this was the only kind of movie they were going to give him. And he uh, spent the rest of his career doing what he started out. He actually uh, won an Academy Award for Best Special Effects for the movie Krakatoa, East of Java, which is probably most famous for getting its ge geography wrong because Krakatoa is actually <laughs> west of Java. But you know what? People say that like as a big you know criticism, like, oh, look, I read a book. But you know what? If you go to Krakatoa, if you keep going east, eventually you will get to Krakatoa. You will have to circle the world, and there's an easier way to do it. But, you know, technically, are they wrong? I say no. 
So um, there you go. Eugene Laurie makes the same damn movie three times. All of them are great. Now, Gorgo, of all all these, uh, Gorgo is the one you can actually watch on uh, Vudu, Tubi. Um, there's one there that has a picture of what looks like a penguin wearing a bow tie, but they don't have the decency to actually give the what their name is. So screw you. Pluto. Oh, okay. Thank you. Fandor. Yeah, yeah, listen. uh, Let me talk to the guy in charge. Let me talk to the manager at Fandor. I'm sure you have a great service because you got Gorgo, but it would really help. (laughs) Don't be embarrassed. I'm I'm just noticing that like Night Flight and uh, Fandor um, and something that has a bad font, so I'm not going to bother trying to read it. Listen, really, some of these people... I, you know, I mean, I'm sure they hired someone who went to school and gets paid a lot of money for graphic design. And I'm looking at this one here, and honestly, this is the kind of fonts that people used back when they had MySpace, where they would put, like, pink against red in front of an animated GIF. And uh, it's stupid. Don't do that. Anyway, you could, there's a whole bunch of things. You may have to watch ads, but don't worry about it. It's a Gorgo. Lots of fun. Oh, man, just so much fun. Such a fun movie. They, uh, they also made a comic book by Steve Ditko. Um, that was actually kind of fun too. So there you go. That's my three for this week. And Wonderful. I'm done. I'm, I'm finally done. He's finally <laughs> shutting up. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Oh my god. Oh. Does uh anybody have anything else, or or does anyone have anything else to out? Oh, jeez, you guys. <laughs> or does what? anybody Songs? have anything to sing us out with? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Actually, I, there's Uh-oh. there are. There were a whole lot of choices this time, actually. Like, at first I was thinking I could do the the opening theme to um, Brewster McLeod. Uh, and it's it's by this, this young composer uh, named Francis Scott Key. It actually says, you know, theme by, it's the national anthem. But anyway, so I said, nah, because no one ever sings that really well. Um, and so then I was like, well, I, there's, you know, there's always the theme to Skidoo. I mean, hey, it's by the great... Be- wouldn't it be funny if the one song that Paul could actually nail right out of the park was the Star Spangled Banner? <laughs> I thought about it, but, but I, I will save that for another time. Okay. No, no, because I mean, I got, I've got, a, I've got a Harry Nilsson tune. Come on, Harry Ooh. Nilsson. Okay. Yeah, because he did the, he did the music for Skidoo. I'm not gonna do the, the theme to Skidoo because I can't do a good Carol Channing. But what I can what? do, everyone can do, can do Carol Channing. I know, I know, but surprising. But I can do a really good Otto Preminger and Harry Nilsson because okay. they did the closing credits. So here we go. Stop! We are not done yet. Before you skadoo, we'd like to introduce our cast and crew. Jackie Gleason with Tony Banks, Carol Channing, Frank Yablon, Angie, Fred Clark, a tower guard, Michael Constantine, Leach, Frank Gorshin, the man, John Philip Lostash, Peter Lawford, the senator, Birch Meredith, the warden, and then it goes on and I'm not even going to bother. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah, I know, I know. Meredith was in a movie, too? Is there, <laughs> did that guy turn down any roles? He was in Beware the Blob, so the answer is no. <laughs> Paul, Paul, I'm a little offended though. You did give the the rest of us a chance to go do the uh, the outro song because I was going to try to sing the uh, the Dead Can Dance song from The Mist. Oh, go for it! But oh, oh I was going to try to do "Wake Me Up Before You Gargle." So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy. for the weekend of July 22nd, Bill recommended "The Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms," available 
at Bill's house. <laughs> also available to rent on Amazon, Apple TV, and Google Play for about $2.99. And The Giant Behemoth, available on YouTube. And Gorgo, available on Vudu, Tubi, Fandor, Pluto, Night Flight, Dark Matter TV, and Flick Splings. Paul recommended Brewster McCloud, available on HBO Max, and Skadoo, available on Plex and the Roku channel. I recommended Amsterdamed, available on Tubi, Shudder, Night Flight, and DirecTV, and Once Bitten, available on Tubi, Hoopla, and Pluto TV. Zachary recommended the Resident Evil series, available on Netflix, and The Mist, also available on Netflix. Editor, George Rose. Assistant Editor, Dean Hall. Music Editor, Fred Fire. Sound Effects Editor, Don Higgins. Negative Cutter, Connie Rose. And Script Supervisor, Kathleen Fagan. <laughs> oh, boy. Art Director, Robert E. Smith. Assistant Art Director, Jay Monty Elliott. Set Declarer, Fred Price.